Welcome to KJV Cafe, where the truths of God's Word come alive. Grab a hot cup of coffee or tea and spend some time learning about our Savior and Lord, Jesus Christ. Listen now to Pastor Clark Covington of Heartland Community Baptist Church as he explores great insights from the Word of God. What is it about salvation that's so joyful? You know, when you think about being saved, does it bring joy to your heart? Does it make you smile? Does it make you want to just leap up out of your chair and say, praise the Lord? Or are you just, oh, hum, yeah, uh, I guess I'm saved. Or maybe, I don't know, I think I'm saved. Or maybe even worse, you think your works might save you or something that you do might save you. Well, uh, the only one that does the saving is our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. And uh, if he saved you, you should be joyful today. And that's what we're going to talk about for a little bit, talking about the joy of our salvation. Amen. Look, to be saved is the most wonderful thing that can happen to us as Christians. Matter of fact, uh, it is the most important thing that can happen to us is our uh, conversion, us being born again. Amen. Uh, In the Bible, it clearly states that uh, we must be born again in order to go to heaven. We must uh, be born uh, not just of the flesh and in the world, but we must have that second birth. We have the natural birth, then we have that second birth, uh, the glorious uh, supernatural birth, being saved by Jesus Christ, our Lord and Savior. Uh, And and it really is joyful. And there's so much to to rejoice about, starting with the idea that uh, God saved us. Amen. He chose us. He sought us out. He saved us. We didn't go looking for him. He he came and got us. He sought us and he bought us and and he foreknew us. Amen. I could go on and on about it. Uh, I'm one of the elect. Uh, If you've been saved, you're one of the elect here tonight. And uh, maybe you haven't been saved and uh, God's tugging on your heart and you're thinking about, you know, uh, accepting Christ as Savior. Amen. If it's in your mind, it's in your heart, you're being convicted. Do it right now. Accept Jesus as Savior and Lord. Accept him in your heart. Pray that sinner's prayer. Let the Lord know that you're ready for to receive Jesus Christ as Lord and Savior. And once you do, what happens? Once you do, what happens? Well, there's a lot right? That goes with being saved, isn't there? The Holy Spirit starts uh, indwelling within you. Uh, the uh, sun shines a little brighter. The The uh, choir sounds a little sweeter. Uh, you start loving on people you never thought you could love on, and you uh, you get a heart for the things that God has a heart for. Maybe you cry more than you used to, and uh, you know God's Word just seems to blossom in front of you as you spend time in it, as you seek the Lord. It it just, oh man, it's like just starts growing in front of you. Uh, and there's so much good. But then we still live in this world, don't we? And we still face struggles, don't we? And those struggles, we maybe had hoped and even maybe some of us assumed they'd go away or saved, but they are still there. And that's when you get to the point where it's hard. And then, and then sometimes God forbid you sin, you mess up. We all fall short. We all sin. The more you sp- uh, time you spend in God's word, this is kind of this double-edged sword here. The more time you spend in God's word, the more you uh, realize the depth of sin, the depravity of sin, uh, the, just the 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 um, breadth of sin. How much of uh, of sin is out there? Uh, you know, uh, there's great scripture in there of Paul 
uh, in the Bible, realizing when he uh, had sinned, he, he said, I looked at the commandments, didn't think that I was guilty of these. And then I saw a coveting, basically, to paraphrase. He said, oh, I'm guilty, guilty of this. And, and I felt the same way as I learned more about cov- covetousness and I learned more about uh, spiritual adultery and I learned more about idols and I realized how God uh, views things. I realized, uh, you know, I needed to repent before the Lord. Now we all do. And so you've got sin in your life. You have trials in your life and you get to the point where you say, Lord, restore unto me the joy of thy salvation. And that's what we see David doing in Psalm 51. That's our uh, text verse here today, Psalm 51, verses 12 through 14. Oh, so simple, uh, but so powerful. Psalm 51, 12 through 14. Restore unto me the joy of thy salvation, and uphold me with thy free spirit. Then will I teach transgressors thy ways, and sinners shall be converted unto thee. Deliver me from blood guiltiness, O God, thou God of my salvation, and my tongue shall sing aloud of thy righteousness. Amen. I love this verse for so many reasons. I've preached on this before in our church, uh, specifically dealing with repentance, and uh, that's where this psalm is coming from. Uh, Scholars believe this was written after uh, uh, David had sinned uh, and uh, the great sin of adultery and uh, was finally getting to the point of repentance. And there, there's so much in there about uh, repentance, but I actually today want to spend some time talking about the joy of our salvation and, and kind of how this cycle works and how uh, David, had, the psalmist, had let, kind of let this progression build out and what we can get from that in terms of just thinking about for a minute here in the midst of all the craziness, in the midst of all the traffic, in the midst of all the pain in the midst of all the sickness and the financial problems and the health problems and the stress and all all the cares of life just thinking about this god is able to restore that joy of your salvation god is able to uphold you with his free spirit god is more than able to give you peace and joy and strength in the midst of a mighty struggle And so I just want to take this verse by verse for a little bit here today, and I hope it'll be a help and a blessing to you. Um, Starting with verse 12, restore unto me the joy of thy salvation. Well, David was saying restore unto me the joy of the salvation because it had gone. Amen. And that's what I alluded to in the introduction, that the joy of our salvation, it can go away. But it's very important to note right off the bat that our salvation never does go away. Amen. Once saved, always saved. I am a firm believer in eternal security. The more that I've studied the Bible, the more that I've preached from the Bible, the more time I spend in prayer with God, the more I believe once saved, always saved. Amen. You can't lose your salvation just like Jesus doesn't have to go back to the cross to die for us again. He paid the price one time on the cross. And when we accept Jesus Christ as our Lord and Savior, that that propitiation for our sins, we are forgiven. Uh, he puts on our sinful shoes that one time dying on the cross, taking that bitter cup of sin for uh, the whole world, for all of mankind, for whosoever shall uh, call upon his name to be saved. He died on the cross, amen. He was buried three days in the ground. You know, that three-day period is what the Jews uh, used to believe uh, that someone was truly dead. And he was there that three days. He was legitimately dead. And then God gloriously resurrected him from the grave, amen. And then he is uh, gloriously resurrected. That's a picture of us being new in Christ, amen. That's that baptismal picture. When we get put in the water and we get lifted out of that water, we are the old man has passed away. Behold, all things become new. We are totally new, amen. 
Amen. And so we are uh, new in Christ and believe on Christ. And, and God's not a liar. God doesn't go back on his promises. God's not an Indian giver. God's not going to play a little game of this or that. When God explains to us in his word that we believe and God knows who believes and who doesn't, he can uh, get the uh, kind of shake off the chaff there and find the real deal. Uh, and he'll know exactly who truly believes in him. And that uh, is evident in our lives by those that have made Jesus Lord of their lives, right? You believe on Jesus as Lord of your life. You make him Lord of your life. And God knows the those that are saved, those that um, have accepted Jesus as Lord and Savior. And then they're saved for good. Their, their name is written down in the Lamb's book of life, never to be blotted out, never to be erased. There is no going back on it. Amen. Uh, and then living for the Lord after that, right? You say, well, uh, you can't lose your salvation. No, you can lose your rewards, right? You can lose heavenly rewards uh, when we are um, at the judgment seat, but we will not lose our salvation. But we can lose our joy in this life. And think about it. You know, it says, restore unto me the joy of thy salvation in Psalm fifty-one, twelve. You know what the devil wants to do? He wants to destroy the joy of your salvation. Instead of restore, he wants to destroy. He wants to take that joy and destroy it. He wants you everywhere but focused on the Lord. He doesn't want you praising God. He doesn't want you winning souls to the Lord. He doesn't want you being a worthwhile testimony. He doesn't want you to be a vessel for God. Amen. He wants to destroy it. But oh, here we have in that second part of verse 12, got that semicolon there. Oh man, I'm excited. And uphold me with thy free spirit. Restore unto me the joy of thy salvation and uphold me with thy free spirit. It doesn't say I'll uphold myself or I'll do this with myself or you do this when you're restrained. Uphold me with thy free spirit. God is more than able to uphold us with his free spirit. He's more than able to restore the joy of our salvation. And you may ask, well, how? Well, you know, the Bible just clearly paints a picture of when we draw nigh to God, he'll draw nigh to us. When we get close to God, he'll get close to us. When we seek God, uh, he'll be found. You know, when we knock, he'll open that door. Amen. And what I mean by that is, you know, it, uh, if you are tenacious about anything, if you are uh, aggressive, if you are ambitious, you know, the idea here that sticks is that the early bird gets the worm, right? That the, uh, you know, the fisherman that's been casting lures in all day long is probably going to catch a few more fish than someone going out there for 15 minutes. Uh, these guys down the street, they're building a house. And uh, the foundation was laid a couple of weeks ago and they started putting up that first floor uh, just last week. And, you know, now they're building that second floor. My wife about fell over in the car. We drove by. She said, they got that second floor up already. It was just yesterday. It wasn't there. And I told her, I said, you know, they're, they're, they're there all day long. They are ambitious. They are ready to work They're I'm guessing the foreman or the general contractor, they're paid by the job. They're not paid by the hour. They're paid by the job. And they're saying, we got another job waiting for us. Let's get after it. So they're tenacious to get the job done. They're aggressive. They're there from the sunrise to the sunset. Is that how we approach God's word? Because you know there's great wealth in God's word. There's great wisdom in God's word. There's great understanding in God's word. And when we unlock that by just getting after it, by, by being motivated to look at God's word, wow, what that does to us. It teaches us God's heart, his mind. It gives us understanding. God speaks to us through his word, and that helps to restore the joy of our salvation. And it also... Uh, I, I can't go uh, any further without mentioning also will convict us 
to repent of our sins. Think about this. Are you most repentant when you're living in the world or around a bunch of worldly people in a big crowd? No, that's probably when you're most likely to sin. But when you're most repentant is when you're humble, when you're having quiet time with the Lord, when you're studying his word, when you're on your knees in prayer or on your face in prayer, amen, when you're just spending time with God and you're just seeking God and you're in his word and then you say, God, help me, God, do a work in me. I have not been perfect, O Lord, but please restore the joy of my salvation. And he will, and he will. And not just restore it, but uphold it, right? Uphold me with thy free spirit. So we want the Lord not just to restore the joy of our salvation, but to uphold the joy of our salvation. And then we see a progression here. So in verse 12, it talks about restoring the joy of our salvation and upholding us with his free spirit. And we already mentioned, I already mentioned that uh, the devil, he wants to destroy the joy of your salvation, but he can't as long as you're seeking God, right? So he's the little G God of this world. And as Jesus mentioned in the Bible, he's not from this world. Well, we don't need to be all yoked up with the world. Yes, we live in the world. Yes, we have to be in the world in some regard to live and to work and et cetera, et cetera. But we don't need to be yoked up in it. No one's forcing your hand to turn on that filthy stuff on TV. No one's forcing your hand to play that profane music. No one's forcing your hand to download that app or to spend all day on social media. No one's forcing you to do that. But that's the devil's tool to keep you away from him. But when we get on fire for God, and when we ask God to restore our the joy of our salvation, woo, this is getting exciting, and we ask him to uphold us with his free spirit, with his mighty right hand of truth and righteousness, then, then we have that right mind about us where we start saying, you know what? I don't need this stuff anymore. You know, Jesus had to say this to the disciples, look, just drop everything and follow me and I'll make you fishers of men, right? But, you know, we don't need to encounter Jesus uh, getting off a boat with a, with, a, with a fisherman's net. We can encounter him in his word and read that and understand what that means, that we need to kind of forsake everything, right? And I say kind of because, again, I'm not telling you to go live in a cave, okay? What I'm saying is forsake all these extra things that aren't necessary for our lives and our living and our sustenance and live for the Lord. And then all of a sudden we are upheld by his free spirit. We don't have the devil trying to destroy our uh, the joy of our salvation as much because he can't worm his way in because we are in the book and we're in God's word. And you say, well, Brother Clark, what does that matter? Well, what did Jesus do uh, when he was being tempted of the devil, when he was exhausted, when he had fasted 40 days and 40 nights in the desert? You know, he, he quoted scripture and he doubly quoted scripture, scripture, he quoted scripture. And then he, the scripture he was quoting was about living from uh, God's word, God, you know, not by bread alone, but by every word that proceedeth out of the mouth of God. Amen. So he was quoting scripture. So we, how do we get to know scriptures? You know, some people will say, oh, that's great. You quote scripture so you can have your, uh, the joy of your salvation back. You stay away from the world. Well, how do you know the scripture? Oh, I don't know. Get in his word, study his word, approach, approach it like those house builders down the street that got that get after it from morning, noon, and night. And you see that house a building and a going and, a, and looking real nice and getting about done. And that shell's almost done. Amen. That's what it's like when we stay in God's word. 
We are building up uh, on that firm foundation that won't wash away, that won't uh, uh, crack. Amen. I've got a message I want to preach about that. It's something about a fence in mud. And you get the idea when you stick a fence in mud, it's going to fall down. Amen. The same way we need to have our defenses about on a firm foundation. And we get our defenses from the word of God. And then we see this progression that I've been meaning to get to in verse 13. Then will I teach transgressors thy ways and sinners shall be converted unto thee. See how David wouldn't allow himself to mention that he was going to be teaching uh, transgressors. That would be sinners. That'd be lost people, right? The ways of God until first he was praying that he had the joy of his salvation back. Uh, This reminds me uh, of the the verse about uh, not being able to do anything without love, right? We could do all these things, but if we don't have love, it's worthless, right? Well, if we don't have love for the Lord Jesus Christ, and if we don't have a right mind about us, and if we aren't repentant before him, what what can God do with us? Not much, right? What can he do with us if we're living in sin, if we're unholy, if we're unrepentant, if we're backslid, right? Now, God can do anything with anyone that he chooses, but what I'm saying is he would choose not to use that backslid Christian uh, for to, to win souls and do all these things. Because they haven't gotten right with him. Amen. They don't, they wouldn't have those heavenly rewards for them. And so you see, restore the joy of thy salvation, repent, get right with God, get in his word, uphold me with thy free spirit, lean on his strength, not your own. Amen. That should just be a great burden off your shoulders here today. Lean on God's strength. It's not in our strength. Amen. It's in his strength. You know, we say that, I, I say this all the time at church, you know, if God wanted, uh, me to do something, he would give me the strength to do it. Amen. And uh, I, I just count on him. It's not in my own strength. There's times I can't understand uh, how I'm able sometimes to uh, be a dad to our kids and to work and to, and provide and to do all these things and to preach and many messages each week and do Bible studies or whatever else I'm doing. I said, God, how do I do it? And and uh, it's not I that's doing it. And you see that again here in verse Uh, 13, then will I teach transgressors thy ways. So you see again in verse 13, this progression where now uh, the psalmist David is very humbly saying he's going to teach transgressors, those that have sinned, not his ways, not his ideas, not his laws, not his righteousness, but thy ways, God's ways. You know, uh, the saved, humble, repentant person says, um, not my will, but thine. Have you ever said that in your prayer? God, not my will, but thine, thine be done. Amen. That's a prayer that gets answered, a prayer that's in God's will. And the sinner and the backslider says, God, not thy will, but mine. And we have to really be careful with that because so many people want to live life their way. They want to do things their way. Amen. But that's not what God called us to do. He called us to be repentant, humble before him, to live for him. And then we are to teach transgressors in his ways. And then I love this, how plain it is in the second part, another semicolon in in, uh, 13, verse 13, second part, and sinners shall be converted unto thee. Amen. So the fruit of this repentance, the fruit of this joy of the salvation, the fruit of being upheld by God and not trying to live in our own power, uh, the fruit of teaching others the ways of God is that sinners are converted, they're saved unto God, amen? And you look, as a pastor, there's nothing more 
that I enjoy than seeing a soul get saved. And I don't take it for granted. We have a very small church. Amen. We have a lot of people don't want to hear the old gospel preaching anymore. Don't want to uh, hear that they're a sinner and all these other things. We're living in the last days, uh, the Laodicean church age, the great falling away. And when one gets saved, oh my goodness, what comes over me is a great joy. I just picture the angels in heaven rejoicing. And I just imagine you know what? There's another one for the Lord. There's another one saved. Amen. There's another one that's not going to hell. There's another one that that uh, can bear fruit on their own. Amen. We had a young man get saved in our church not too long ago, and uh, now he's uh, gotten in the right Bible. Amen. Uh, that's exciting. He's uh, starting to sing songs on uh, some of the services. Amen. And now he's uh, seen some of the younger boys preaching and said, you know, hey, that's kind of interesting. Whew, that's, that's, that's that fruit of the spirit. Amen. That's that salvation. That's that uh, discipling happening, happening. And that's how it should be. And that is the process. We must get right with God. We must live for God. We must live in his strength. We must teach his ways. And then we see the fruit of that. We see sinners converted unto God. And then we see that, that just uh, fruitful cycle, which is something uh, really, I think that's not preached about enough these days is the idea of this fruitful cycle. Amen. Uh, evangelists, we can uh, be guilty of trying to win as many as we can without really trying to nurturing nurture those that we win to win others. Amen. Finally, verse 14, deliver me from blood guiltiness, O God, thou God of my salvation, and my tongue shall sing aloud of thy righteousness. So you see the progression. We, we ask the Lord to restore joy, and we don't ask him sitting there uh, just zoned out on some a worldly TV program, living in sin, doing nothing. We ask him as humble, hardworking, repentant Christians. And then we're able to teach transgressors his ways and the sinners converted. And then we get into this idea of deliverance, right? And this deliverance is so important because we all have um, sin in our lives. We all fall short. We all encounter these things. And, and what you see is when we turn to God and we ask for him for forgiveness, his mercy is more than enough. You know, his grace abounds more than wh- wherever the sin is. Amen. His grace is more than enough to deliver us. And when he delivers us, it leads to what? Praise. The Del- Godly deliverance leads to godly praise or praise to God. Amen. And that's such a fruitful cycle in its own right. And that's such a fruitful progression in its own right. Because, you know, one, one thing I really love about this Psalm is it's not that, you know what, um, you, you took care of me, God, you helped me and you blessed me. See you later. By the way, have you not seen that a lot, uh, in your church and maybe people, you know, that get blessed by God and then go walk off. And it's like, what are you, where are you going? Why are you, why are you leaving now? God doesn't put this whole thing together for you and you walk away. Uh-uh, no, no. We need to stay close to God. We need to be delivered from the blood guiltiness, delivered from our sin, delivered from the debt we could never pay. We, we are just completely um, poor and helpless in front of a mighty God. And he delivers us. And then when he delivers us, we don't say, thank you very much. I'm going back to Sodom. We say, no, Lord, let me sing aloud of thy righteousness. Let me praise you, God. Let me just, let me just do something for you today. 
let me wake up tomorrow and pray. This is something you could pray. Wake up tomorrow and pray, God, help me to just glorify you. God, help me to just live for you. God, help me to be on fire for you today. God, just if something comes out of my mouth, let it just be about how great you are. Let it be about how many things that you have done in my life. Let it be about what a great and mighty God you are. Let it be about how powerful you are. Let it be about how beautiful your creation is. Let it be about how you care for me when I'm just this speck of dust in this world. You know, you go on and on and you start getting in that mind frame of praising God, not running from God. You know, the Bible says to fear God. It doesn't mean to fear him in the sense that you want to run from him or run away from him but to run to him, right? You know, we are to fear God with a holy reverence, a holy respect. You know, when I was in high school, I was a wild guy. I was from a a broken home. I had every kind of issue under the sun I pretty much could imagine. And we had a coach and uh, I love playing football. Only, I guess, because my brother played. I wanted to be like my brother, my older brother. I love playing football. And that coach was scary. He had a loud voice. He had one of those handlebar mustaches. And that guy was just mean. This is back when they could kind of rough up the kids a little bit. Amen. In the best way possible. I mean it. Uh, he was just great. But he was a, a frightful guy, you know. And you kind of feared him. It didn't mean you didn't want to be around him. It just mean means you wanted to please him. You wanted to do a good job on the field, off the field. You wanted to behave. I really believe that's how I was able to get through high school. And uh, just by God's grace, he put that man in my life. And, And that's that reverent fear, you know, that respect. That's the kind of fear we should have for the Lord, that respect and that reverence that we want to be around him and that we want to sing his praises, that we want to, you know, dive deep into praising and worshiping God in the most honorable way. Uh, we should never be ashamed of God. You know, the Bible says that he's a jealous God, you know, and that if we'd be ashamed of him, he'll be ashamed of us. Amen. We should not be ashamed of God. We should sing his praises. We should talk about what Jesus has done in our life, and we should take a stand for the Lord. Look, I mean, so much today, people want that restoration of the joy, right? Everybody wants that. They want to be joyful. They want to be happy, right? They want to have that joy, and they'd love to know that they're saved and so forth, have that joy of their salvation. They would like to be upheld, but they, they kind of want to do it on their own. They're not that interested in teaching transgressors God's ways. They're not really interested in sinners being converted. They're kind of just worried about their own hide. And they're not really interested in, you know, that deliverance of themselves and others leading to praise. They just kind of want the blessing and want to go with it. And that is a big problem. Amen. That is a very big problem because if we have reverence for God, we have godly fear, we want to have godly praise, we are going to be living godly lives. We're going to be voting for godly candidates. We're going to be uh, patroning godly businesses when we can all help it. We are going to be sending our children to godly schools or homeschools. We're going to be living for God in our lives, in action, in practice. People treat God like he's just not paying attention. Friend, he's paying attention. He knows, the Bible says he knows every hair on your head, amen. He is paying very close attention. And people just treat God like, ah, you know, I can live like this. I can live like the world. It's okay. And it's not okay. And we see in this simple psalm, this idea of restoration of joy leading to teaching, leading to deliverance, leading to praise. And do we see that in our own lives? That's something I want you to think about today. Do you see it in your own life? I hope so. You know, the the days are evil. The days are almost over. 
oh man, it's coming to an end very soon. I remember reading in Genesis uh, that Jacob there um, was, I believe he was in front of Pharaoh and uh, after Joseph had, had got him into, into Egypt and he was uh, there commenting on his age. He was up in age there. And he said his, his days were evil and short, essentially. And he was very old. And I, I could relate to that in a sense that, you know, I think many people come to that senior season in their lives and they look back and they say, how fruitless was a lot of these endeavors and how, you know, how little joy came to them from living for this world and being duped by the devil, d- destroying that godly joy for that carnal, sinful pleasure that only lasts a season. And it's just so shameful and so sad, you know, and I believe whether it's uh, the age of one or a hundred, that God can restore that joy, that God can bring that joy, that God can uh, be there. And it's never too late to turn to the Lord and live for the Lord. I 100% believe it. Uh, and at the same time, why do we have to let ourselves get to that condition? In a day and age that we live in, why can't we turn to God now? And that's what I want you to think about here today. Turning to God, getting in his word, having our joy restored, teaching others, getting deliverance from our own sin through Jesus Christ and praising God, letting all that lead to it honest praise in our words and our deeds. And if we live like that now, it's going to be a testimony to others. As the scripture says, others will be saved. They'll be converted unto God. It'll be imputed to us as a reward in heaven on the judgment day. We'll be living for the Lord. And we'll be so glad that we took this Psalm literally. We took it seriously and we live for the Lord in, in all that we do. And if, if I can just kind of get that into your hearts and minds here today, well, more importantly, if the Holy Spirit can, uh, but if, if I mention it, the Holy Spirit gets it into your hearts, your minds, and you get convicted of it, that you'll live for the Lord. No, we're not saved by works. We're saved by a grace alone, through faith alone, and Jesus Christ alone. But our works really show who we are. It shows what we're passionate about. It shows where we spend time, what we do. And let's spend our time. Let's devote more to the Lord today. Uh, I just, I hope and I pray it's a help and a blessing to you. Thanks for visiting the cafe today. Our goal is to inspire you with the truth and depth of God's word in a straightforward manner. Do you know Jesus? You can today. Visit kjvcafe.com to learn more about God's great plan of salvation for all of mankind. Until next time, remember as Matthew chapter 6 verse 33 puts it, Seek ye first the kingdom of God and his righteousness.